Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. If you'll turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 is where we're at. So earlier, last time, we saw in chapter 1, Mary, a young virgin, betrothed to a young man by the name of Joseph. And of course, betrothal was that engagement. But in their culture, it's a lot different than our betrothal. In their culture, the engagement took place at the city gate and the vows were exchanged really there. The promises were made there. And so at that betrothal, they were legally bound to each other. So an engagement wasn't one of those things like it is in our day where, you know, you wear the ring and you're like, I don't want to marry this guy and you throw the ring at him or something like that. It couldn't happen. You were legally married. And at that point, after the betrothal, you'd actually have to get a legal divorce. And that's kind of gives us a little bit of context to what we're looking at today as we look at this situation that we find ourselves in. You, You recall that last time the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and he had some interesting things to say to her. He told her that she'd found favor with God that she'd conceive in her womb and bear a son and that she was to call his name Jesus. And then he went on to say that he will be great. He'd be called the son of God or son of the highest, that he would be sit on the throne of his father, David, that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And to his kingdom, there will be no end. And so there was a lot of things that Gabriel told Mary, and she was quite amazed by all of these things. But, but then she asked the obvious question, uh, how are these things going to happen? Because I've never known a man. I, I'm, you know, I'm a virgin. And so Gabriel responded. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And the Holy One who will be born to you will be called the Son of God. That had to be a lot to take in for a young woman. And, and so it was comforting to know that the angel would say, but your, your relative Elizabeth is now in the sixth month of her who was called barren. She's also pregnant. And so, of course, Mary probably had heard about this news spread through the hill country of Judea and up into Nazareth pretty quickly in those days. And it's been a month since Elizabeth had made known that she was pregnant. Remember, she hid herself five months. And now for a month, it's been known. And so Mary quickly leaves Nazareth and goes down to the hill countries of Judea and spends three months with Elizabeth, the first trimester of her pregnancy. She's there in the hill countries of Judea, but then she makes the mistake of going home. Now, I know it seems normal to go home, and literally she would have had to because she's betrothed to Joseph. And Joseph's in Nazareth, and she's in Nazareth, and you know, in that culture, they would come and they would, you know, be together as far as a husband and wife, he would come and get her in Nazareth and take her to be with himself. And that's how the marriage was consummated. And that's how the marriage was officially officially sealed was at that moment. And it came in an hour and a day she did not expect or would not expect. And so she had to go back home. And it's coming time for her to have this baby. But it's interesting as we look at the progression of this story, there's a problem. 
You see, God called a young woman from Nazareth to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, a lot of things have lined up. When we look at Scripture, and we look at the Old Testament, and specifically the things that are supposed to take place concerning the Messiah, we see Isaiah 7, 14 fulfilled. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And, and, and so the, he would be, as just the angel said, he will be the son of God. He's going to be God with them. But also Isaiah 9, 6, that he would rule and on the throne of David. It says, and unto us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so these prophecies are starting to line up. Even the timeline would line up. Because in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, which we talked about a little bit last time, there was a specific prophecy by Gabriel to Daniel that the Messiah, the prince, would present himself 483 years to the day after Jerusalem, the command and decree was put forth to rebuild Jerusalem. That happened 445 BC by Artaxerxes Longinus. It's a well-known date in history. He sent, Zerk, he sent Nehemiah, Xerxes sent Nehemiah to go rebuild Jerusalem, the city and the wall, which he did. And then 480, or 483 years from that day, based on a 360-day year, which you can tell by the, the counting of the days that they give, on April, 30, April 6, 33 AD, that would be the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And, and it's, that's verifiable. And Sir Robert Anderson did the work in his book, The Coming Prince. And, and so it, it's, it, the timeline setting up, that's going to be a little over 30 years from this moment. And that would give time for the Messiah to grow up. You know, obviously he needs to learn how to ride a donkey and all those things, right? And so everything's kind of lining up except for one small detail. And that is... Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who will rule, be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So God, the Messiah, is going to be born in Bethlehem. So God picked a girl from the wrong town. All the way up in Nazareth. Oh... That's 108 miles away from Bethlehem. And they didn't have trams and trains and cars and planes and those types of things in those days. It was a long journey, 108 miles through wilderness, through rough terrain. So, so likely it would be a good week to a week and a half walking, unless, of course, they had picked up some caravan or or she rode on a donkey now we all have seen the pictures right she rode on a donkey right she never tells us that never says that she rode on a donkey in fact i read one commentary that said likely if they had a donkey joseph rode it and she walked <laughs> okay that's that kind of ruins my theology because i i grew up believing that she rode on a donkey because i played the donkey in the Christmas pageant, and I had speaking part in everything, and so I, I grew up, my whole childhood was a lie. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a talking donkey in the Bible until later, and that's a very different story. But it would be compelling if she did ride on a donkey, because it tells us in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey. I think it would have been cool if Mary would have rode through Jerusalem pregnant with the Messiah, 
Of course, that would be fulfilled later, on April 6th of 33 AD, when Jesus actually rode into Jerusalem. So what does God do? Verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So Caesar Augustus calls for a census to tax the entire Roman Empire. I don't know what else could move a woman who's that late in her stage of pregnancy other than death or taxes. (laughs) Augustus decides to flex his imperial muscle, upset everyone's life. And we don't know anything about government overreach, do we? And the whole, the decree went out, the whole world should be masked for 100 days, you know, and taxed. (laughs) You know, when you think about, uh, you you watch the news and you know the threat of taxes, the threat of mask mandates, the threat of all of these things that that the government would want to oppose on us. You know, a new president takes office. You know, it just goes to show that no matter what they think they're doing, God is the one who's in control. You know, and and I love to go to passages like this one to just take comfort in the fact that all these things must come to pass. Caesar wasn't making decision or flexing his power, but he was really just a pawn in the hand of God. God's the one who's in control. And and so it is with us. I I just think of King Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, King Nebuchadnezzar was not a a righteous man, and yet he was the most powerful king that ever ruled on on the kingdom of men. He had complete control, a a literal world-dominant empire. And, and he, was the, he was the head of gold, you know, even in Daniel's dream, he was the head of gold, the greatest king with the most power that ever lived. And, and he would be called God's servant as he came against Jerusalem and took captive as judgment on God's people, taking them captive and carrying them off to Babylon. And, and yet, of course, he would be lifted up in pride and all that God had put into his hand. He would think, oh, this is what I've done. And God would humble him, and he, you know, he would go insane, think he was a cow, and eat grass for a while. And then he, when he came to his senses, this is what he said. And, and he was talking about himself, but I think this gives us great comfort today. It says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, the words of Nebuchadnezzar, The Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Isn't that interesting? And we have a president-elect who can't even speak two sentences without making a mistake. You know, and everybody's a donkey pony something or whatever he says all the time. And, And then he's replacing a president who half the time we just wish wouldn't speak at all. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmet.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.